I'm going to go with one of those two. So everybody have one of these. Okay, just so you know, let's look at it together. The middle house, that represents your house, okay? So everybody understand that? The one with the door and the window, that represents your house. On either side, there's basically eight houses that are blank, okay? These are going to represent houses in your neighborhood. Now, you do not have to say eight Four on one side, four on the other. But basically, we're kind of trying to go it that way and trying to give you an idea of that. So let's start with the questions. And remember, this is your house, and then you kind of go out from there. The first question I want you to do, and I want you to actually fill it in inside each of the houses, okay? The first question is this. Write um, the names of each neighbor that you know. Not last names, first names. Each neighbor that you know, I'm going to give you about a minute, Um, And I want you to write in the house the name of each person that lives there. Now, you may say, well, I know the kid or I know the mom or the dad. That's fine. Write that name, okay? In the corresponding house, write that name. I'm going to give you about a minute, and then we're going to come back and ask question number two. Name of the neighbors. Give you about another 30 seconds. Right quick. Every name. If you know all the names of everybody in the house, write them all there, okay? If you know the last name, write that too. But I'm really looking for first names right now, okay? First names. If you know them. All right. Question number two. Question number two. Write some basic information about who lives there, okay? Basic information. What they do for a living. Maybe uh, if they have kids, how many kids. Uh, if they have a dog. If they like to have a, they go vacationing in Florida. What Basic information that you know about each neighbor in the corresponding house, okay? So write that down. Just basic information. <laughs> I always like to watch couples and families, you know, they're like looking and they're cheating, you know, and, oh, okay, I didn't know that. Okay, yeah, I'll write that down. So basic information of the people that live there. As many as you can. If you need the back, you can write on the back. We had to fit all eight on here, so. Okay. I'll give you another 15 seconds, and we'll move on to question number three. Three is the last question, okay? So, plan accordingly. Okay. Question number three is this. Write some more personal information about who lives there. Maybe some, some dreams, some, some desires. Maybe, maybe you know that, that somebody in the house is struggling with, with an elderly parent. Or, or maybe, maybe, um, maybe their kids are, are dealing with some, some hard issues right now. But more per- personal information, stuff that you would only know if you and them had a relationship and that you had the opportunity to have that type of conversation. So write some more personal information if you know know it, okay, about each person. Maybe, maybe you know that um, they just recently 
you know, I mean, this, this may sound sad or, you know, but maybe they, they had a, a dog and, and they had to just recently put the dog down or so, just stuff like that, okay, that, that would be intimate, more intimate type of, of relationship kind of questions, okay, or that you would know. So write that down and I'll give you about a minute and then we'll kind of get into the, the message this morning. All right. How'd you do? How's your houses? There was a there was a group that that did this this survey, and they actually surveyed Christians and uh, went around and uh, began to ask them these questions. Kind of had the same idea with the, the sheet of paper. This is not an idea that I came up with. It was an idea they did. And they basically went all around the country and they asked these three questions. And, and here's what they found out. To, to answer question one, now this is all eight, okay? But to know all eight and to know the names of their neighbors, they found that only 10% of people responding were able to do that. Only 10%, Okay. Only 10%. When they moved on to question two, they, you know, how many people were able to do question two, basic information about the people that lived around them, they found that only 3% were able to get all eight. Only 3%. And then obviously question number three, when they really got into this idea of more personal information, they found out that basically it was only less, it was actually less than 1%. Only less than 1% of people could actually write out some of these things. Our text this morning is going to be in Mark, the 12th chapter. Uh, If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. If not, it's on the screen in front of you. Uh, And we're going to read this as we kind of get into our our series of of Won't You Be a Neighbor. You can put those, those sheets aside, but I want to ask you to keep those because I hope that as we go through this series uh, and then through the months afterwards that you'll be able to fill in a little bit more of that information. So hold on to those so that you have a chance to do that. But we're going to be in Mark, the 12th chapter, and it says, Says this. It says, one of the teachers of the religious law was standing there listening to the debate. He realized that Jesus had answered well. So he asked, of all the commandments, which is the most important? Jesus replied, the most important commandment is this. Listen, O Israel, the Lord our God is the one and only God. And then he continued. He says, and you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. And then we get into verse number 31. It says, the second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than 
these. Now, we, we've heard this before. We, we, we've studied this before. We've looked at this before. We've heard that phrase before, that idea of loving your neighbor as yourself. Jesus talks about it several times. He mentions it in every single gospel. It's very important that we understand this. But the thing is, we also need to understand that Jesus here is quoting from Leviticus. He is not coming up with a brand new idea. This is an idea that his father and him and the spirit had way back in Leviticus. And basically, he is quoting Leviticus, the basically the 19th chapter of 18, and it says this in Leviticus 19, 18, it says this, you shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against the sons of your own people. Now, the sons of your own people, you need to understand this, the sons of your own people are people that live around you. They are the close people. They are the people that not only that maybe you go to work with, but also the people that you live around, okay? We have to understand that. The understanding, the idea of sons of your own people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. So Jesus here is quoting from Leviticus. He is basically quoting and saying, here's the situation, here's what you need to do. And basically the religious leaders come to Jesus and they basically ask him this question. Which commandments are most important? Which commandments matter the most? Because remember, when God comes, he gives the Israelites ten commandments. And basically throughout their history, they add several hundred more. Because they like rules. And basically, so they come to Jesus and they say, what's the most important? And Jesus responds to them. He says, basically, love God with everything you are, everything you have. Love him in ways that just blow your mind. Just love God with everything. And then he continues, and he says, love your neighbor as yourself. And he always says that these two are very important. They go together. They're just as important here. And so Jesus here is stating this. He is basically helping people understand this is it. He goes on in other scriptures and other times to basically say this. The law and everything that is in it is contained in these two commandments. Let me help you understand that. Basically what Jesus is saying here is all the law, all of Leviticus, all of Deuteronomy, everything that's there, the Ten Commandments, everything. If we can follow these two things, we're good. If we can follow these two, if we can love God with everything and love our neighbor, then that matters. So what we have found, though, is ever since Leviticus has been spoken, ever since Moses wrote it down and started handing it out to people, everybody started having the same question. Who's my neighbor? What does that mean? What's my neighbor? How does this work? And so we're going to look at this together. We're going to look at some of these things. And the first thing we're going to look at is quite simply this. Question number one, who is my neighbor? Who is my neighbor? In Luke 10, the 25th chapter, we see this verse. It says, one day an expert in religious law, a lawyer basically, stood up to test Jesus by asking him this question. Teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus replied. He turns the question on itself and he asks the guy. He says, what does the law of Moses say and how do you read it? The man answered, you must love the Lord your God. Here we go again. With all your heart, with all your soul, all your strength, and all your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus responds, right. Do this and you will live. Now we get to verse number 29. We get to the crust of all this situation. Jesus says, the man wanted to, check this out now. This is important. Justify his actions. So he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? 
and who is my neighbor? Now, you have to understand some background here if we're really going to understand what this guy is asking. There was no doubt in the Jewish mindset, in the Jewish law, in the Jewish uh, hierarchy, as far as the teachers of the Pharisees, who the neighbor was. The neighbor was always considered to be the neighbor, the Jewish people, the people you lived around. This was not ever in doubt. What was in doubt and what was the problem here is basically some of the Jewish leaders and some of the religious lawyers and all that sort of stuff said that that would end with a Jewish person. That they did not have to love someone who was not their neighbor and not Jewish. And the question that is being asked here is they're asking Jesus his opinion on this. They're saying, do we just need to love the Jewish people, the people that are like me, the people that like me and are are like who I am? Or do we have to love basically everybody? Basically, the reason why he's justifying his actions here is because he hasn't been. He wants to be told, hey, you're doing good. You're doing great. Man, you, that, that Jewish guy that's your neighbor, you're loving him like crazy. Awesome. But the guy across the street, the Samaritan or, or the Gentile, oh, no, 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 no. They're not chosen. They're not of God. You don't have to love them, just the Jewish people. And we're going to talk about this later on in our series. But basically, after this, Jesus tells a very famous story. He tells the story of the good Samaritan. But never in doubt was there's this idea that neighbor actually meant people you live around. Do you get that? You just filled out a sheet. How'd you do? What if... I'm going to sit down. Because you guys are too, and I don't want to faint because this is so deep. (laughs) Ready? What if when Jesus said the word neighbor, he actually meant neighbor? Now listen. I went to Bible college. Wow, what a wonderful four years. I did it in four. And I remember hearing about all the metaphors and all the symbolism and all this stuff when it came to neighbor. And listen, let me help you with something, okay? We are going to get into other things and other people later on, okay? That's coming in the series. But what if the first step is not a metaphoric idea of neighbor? What if it literally means neighbor? What if Jesus here is saying, you start there. You don't start in a metaphoric way. You don't start in a symbolic way. You actually begin with the people that God has placed in your life that live next to you. What if we start there? Because here's what I found, okay? Here's what I found. When I was a kid, we used to love, Grandpa had a 22 rifle, and we'd go out, and I actually have it. It's so cool. I love it. I'll show you if you want to see it someday. And it's this really cool 22 rifle, and we would go out, and we would shoot the, the can. You ever do that? Grandma and Grandpa have a, like a can of beans or, you know, after it was taken out. And we'd go out there and we'd shoot that can. And, man, that was good. And you know what I've learned? You, listen, if you're shooting at nothing, you'll hit it every time. And what I think we have done as the church, and just hear me out here, guys, is I think we have turned neighbor into this metaphoric and symbolic thing. Because when we do that, we don't have to do anything. 
We don't have to do anything. Because the neighbor is just kind of this pie in the sky, by and by. I'm going to love everybody. And look, I'm not saying we shouldn't love everybody. What I'm saying is, is there's been people that God has placed in your life right now that you have an opportunity to make a difference in their life. But if you're sitting there going, well, who's my neighbor? And, and my neighbor's this, and my neighbor's that, and, and I'm going to love everybody. Listen, if you don't love your own neighbors that you got there, you're probably not going to love your metaphoric ones either. They're right there. And they're hurting. And they need you. Wait, wait, stop it. You really think, and this is great, you really think that God in his infinite wisdom and plan and knowledge basically did this. It doesn't matter where, really where you live. You know, the people that happen to buy the house next to you, that was just an oops, and that was just a coincidence. Listen, I don't believe in coincidences. I don't believe in them. My God is much too big for that. His plan is much too huge for that. You are there because God has placed you there, and he's placed those neighbors there. And listen, here's the deal. If you love them metaphorically, you'll change the world metaphorically, which means not at all. But if we can stop, listen, you need to understand this. Jesus in this portion of scripture is expanding the understanding of neighbor, not confining it. Because everybody that's hearing him know exactly who their neighbor is already. It's the people that live around them. It's their companions. I went back. Oh, it's so much fun to do this. I went back to the original Hebrew and the original Greek. And guess what I found? Neighbor actually means neighbor. That's what it means. The people that we're close to, our companions, the people that live near us. No, why do we ask? Why do we ask? And who's my neighbor? I am only going to speak for myself. Okay? Now, you may agree with me. You may not. That's fine. I'm just going to speak for me. The reason I like to ask that question is so I don't have to do anything. Because if it's out there, I don't have to focus on who's right there. What if Jesus here is basically saying to love your neighbor means to love the people that are right next door? What if he's actually communicating a literal statement that to love our neighbor doesn't just happen to love people far, far away or people on a street corner someplace, or they're forgotten. We're going to talk about that. Trust me, we'll cover it. But what if he's saying it starts with the people that live near you? What if we ask Jesus, Jesus, who's my neighbor? And Jesus would take us by the hand, take us to our house, and stand in front of it and say, see this house? Yes, Jesus, what is that? That's where I live, that's right. You see that person? Yeah, that's your neighbor. You see that house? Yeah, that's your neighbor. You see what I found is with Christians at times, and I do this too, is we try to make things so complicated and so difficult. And the reason why we do that is because as convoluted as we can make it, it gives us an excuse not to do it. We justify our actions this way instead of actually taking the time to love our neighbor. What if this actually just means we're supposed to love the people that we're around? Not just our family, but our co-workers and our neighbors and the people that we come in contact with. Please understand, 
we will talk about everybody else in the coming weeks. But today, maybe we should focus in on those that live close to us. Maybe that way we can actually have a target and try to hit it instead of shooting at nothing and being surprised why our world and our community hasn't been changed for Jesus. Just a question. Just a thought that we need to look at. Number two, how do I love my neighbor? How do I love my neighbor? Let's look at Romans 15. It says this, We who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak, and this is important, and not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good to build him up. First thing we have to do if we're going to love our neighbor, we have to put their needs in front of ours. That seems simple, that seems easy, but let me be honest with you. To love someone is going to cost you something. Now remember, you need to hear me here. Jesus said, do not like your neighbor as yourself. He said to love your neighbor as yourself. I can like you without loving you, but Jesus has commanded me to love you. That is deeper, that is greater. Love costs you more than like. I may like you, but I love my wife. Does that make sense? I am willing to do more for her because I am in love with her. If she asks me to do something, I want to do it. Not out of obligation. Not because I signed a marriage certificate that said I would love, honor, and obey. All that. I, no, I do that because I love her. The problem that we're having is we think to love somebody, it means that we have to do it begrudgingly and this, blah, blah, blah. And so we won't do it. Love will cost you something. Love always costs you something. But you need to understand this. Hear me here. No matter what love costs you to give, you will always get more back. You say, well, Aaron, I've loved people and they haven't loved me back. Listen, I'm talking about the whole picture because when you do this out of love, the love that your father showers on you every single day is greater than all the love you could ever share with every person on this planet from now until eternity. You always will get more. But you got to be willing to put your needs aside. And I get it. That's hard. That's difficult. But it has to happen. I remember several years ago, I was watching a video. And, and some, of these, some of these videos you know, just kind of stick in my head. And it was a teaching about something completely different to an extent. And basically, it was this, this video. And this woman was out. And it was snowing. And it was just beautiful. And she was out. And she was shoveling her driveway. And she's shoveling it. And, and she was not a younger lady. In fact, I was kind of like going, you know, you know, is she going to be okay? I mean, she was kind of struggling, but she's shoveling and she's going at it and they're talking and she's just going. And this whole thing is being talked over as she's just shoveling and she's shoveling and she's shoveling. And finally she gets done and she kind of sits and she looks and she kind of shakes her head. And then she walks to the next house and goes inside of it because she didn't shovel her own driveway. She shoveled someone else's. going to cost you something. It's going to cost you something. Okay? You've got to understand that. Your needs, as important as they are, need to be secondary to the needs of your neighbor. That's how you love them. That's number one. Number two, let's look at this verse as well. As we move on from Romans, we're going to move into Ephesians 4, 25. It says this, Therefore, having put away falsehoods, Let each one of you, now this is important, speak the truth 
with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Now listen, we need, to, we need to take a myth here and blow it out of the water, okay? You can love your neighbor and speak truth to them. In fact, I would say this. If you are unwilling to speak truth to them, you probably do not love them. But Aaron, oh, oh, you, you really want me to talk about Jesus? Yes, I really want you to talk about Jesus. You mean, you mean you really want me to be able to give an understanding of the hope I have? Yes, I really am trying to help you to understand that. You can speak truth in love with love. Let me give you an example. Let me give you a simple example. We are walking across the street. I have stopped. I am not paying attention because I'm not always a great father. Easton, who is excited because we are going to Toys R Us, which is closing, which is kind of sad, by the way. But anyway, he is so excited because we're going to Toys R Us. I stop. He continues to move. He is in the middle of traffic. Now, I have a choice to make. I can love him enough to correct his behavior or to say, what you are doing is heading towards a destructive end. Or I can say, well, you know, I don't really want to make Easton mad. He may not appreciate that I'm doing this. He may, he may not like that I'm asking him. No, 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 no. At that point, I love him enough to correct and immediately tell him, you need to stop. You're headed towards a destructive way. Now, there is a right way and a wrong way to do that. Next week, we're going to talk about that. But if you think you love your neighbor and you're not willing to speak truth to them, you aren't loving them. Okay? Can we just be honest there? You are not loving them. They are headed, if they do not know Jesus, to a path that is much, much worse than a car running them over. And let's be honest, we're too afraid or too ashamed or too whatever to have a conversation with them, to build a relationship with them so that we are ready when that moment is right and the Spirit speaks for us to say, you know, I'd like to share, can can I tell you about something that really changed my life? But Aaron, I, 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 don't, I don't know what to say. I don't know. You know, the word says that God is going to put words in your mouth. But, but, but Aaron, I, I don't know. How, what if they ask me all these questions? You know what? Here's the great thing about this. The Bible is very clear on this. The Bible says to taste and see that the Lord is good. What, what if he asks me all these hard, difficult questions? What if he says, are you pre-trib, mid-trib, post-trib, re-trib, whatever trip, whatever? What will I say? You say this. Is this ready? You're ready to get, I mean, we'll talk about this next week again. So, we'll, hey, get this. You say this. You know, I don't have all the answers. But I know Jesus changed my life. Come and see. Come and see. Listen, speaking truth is not standing with a billboard saying sinners go to hell. I would think that we would be smart enough to understand that today. Now, is that going to happen? Yes. But God did give us a brain. We should probably use it. And actually understand that yes, that is their destination. But I don't remember Jesus ever looking at somebody and just saying... Hi, I'm Jesus. I don't know you. You're going to hell! Do you? I don't remember Jesus ever having signs. Jesus built relationship. Jesus met and got to know his neighbors. He went to people's houses. 
This is important that we catch this. But it's also not an excuse not to share the truth. And the truth is this. Without Jesus, we are headed for a, world, or a life of eternity separated from him. And that is not what God has for anyone. He wishes that none should perish, that all should come to repentance. So to love them means to speak truth to them. To love them means to be willing to share God's love and truth and justice and mercy with them. Finally, number three, why should I love my neighbor? Simple, who, how, and why? Why should I love my neighbor? Look at Romans 13. It says this, owe nothing to anyone except for your obligation to love one another. If you love your neighbor, here it is again, you will fulfill the requirements of God's law. For the commandment says, you must not commit adultery, you must not murder, you must not steal, you must not covet. Moving on, you must not, uh, these and other such commandments, thank you, are summed up in this one commandment. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to others. So love fulfills the requirements of God's law. Why love them? Because it, it, it brings us to a place where all of a sudden we can live the life that God desires for us to live. It brings us to a place where we can understand what really love is. And we can apply that and use that. Why love them? Because they need to be loved. They're going to experience the love of the Father because you've experienced the love of the Father and you are loving them accordingly. Listen, you've got to understand this. Jesus starts with God first. That has to be the situation. You are not going to be able to love your neighbor as yourself if you don't love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And that's been the problem. We've thought, I can love my neighbor, but not be really in love with God. Listen to me, hear me. You cannot give what you do not have. Listen, I could, I could desire with everything in me. I could sit there and just, oh, and groan and blah, blah, blah. And say, if I just had, I, if I could, if I had it, I would give each of you $100. Ooh, I just want it. I just want to do that. I just so have a desire to do that. I just have one, two, three, four. Four dollars. That's all I got. I can want it, but I can't give what I don't have. We walk around and we're trying to share the love of Christ with people. We're trying to live this out and that's great, fine and dandy, but we're getting the order messed up. We're forgetting that to love them, we've got to love God. And not love God sort of, kind of. Not just love God when the music's playing or it's Sunday. But love him with everything we have. Our hearts, our minds, our strength. Every facet. What God is basically helping us to understand that here is every part of who you are. God wants you to love him through. Listen, some of you are really, really strange to me. You like math, and you like strange chemical things, and, 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 and you, you know, like to, st- oh, wow, I, I just, man, that makes my head hurt. But you love it. Listen, you can love God through that. You can express love through that. 
using your mind, understanding those things. But you're not going to love your neighbor the way you're supposed to if you're not falling in love with God. You've got to do that. Next, let's look at James 2.8. It says this, If you really fulfill the royal law, according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You are doing well. If you love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing well. It's a measuring stick. Listen, sometimes we have this because it's so ambiguous. We don't know, where am I? Am I really growing? Am I really doing this? Question, how are you loving God? How are you loving your neighbor? And again, not your metaphoric neighbor, not your pie-in-the-sky neighbor, your actual neighbor. How are you doing there? Because according to James, if you're doing that, you're doing well. Let's flip the coin over. If you are not, you probably need to change some things. We love to complicate it because that way there's not a measuring stick. Here God is saying, listen, let me show you here where we're at. Let me help you here understand where we're at. And the final scripture that we're going to look at is simply this. 1 John 4, 7 and 8. When I was a kid, we used to sing this all the time. And I love this verse. It says, dear friends, or when I was a kid, beloved, let us continue to love one another. For love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. But anyone who does not love God, or does, excuse me, but anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. When I was a kid, beloved, let us love one another. Love one another. Remember? For love is of God. And anyone who loveth is born of God and knows God. He that loveth not, <laughs> loveth not God. For God is love. Let me give you the P-A-N version. The P-A-N-V. Pastor Aaron version. P-A-N, no, Pastor Aaron Nash version. Yeah, P-A-N-V. Pastor Aaron Nash version. Ready? Okay, here it is. Because I like to break things down real simple-like. Because I'm simple. Here's what the word is saying. Not Aaron. Not the fancy preacher down the street. Not the CD guy that you listen to. What the word of God, which is our authority, is saying. Okay? So we're going to put on our big boy britches right now. And hear what God's word is saying. If you do not love your neighbor, you do not love God. Now I'm going to set that sink in for just a moment. Well, Aaron, that's, that's, listen, I didn't write the book, folks. My job is not to sugarcoat it for you. My job is not to make you comfortable. You need to understand that. Nowhere in my job description from the word of God does it say, make your life comfortable. My job sometimes is to be an irritant to you so that you will be spurred on in your growth. It's very simple here. He that loveth not, loveth not God. For God is love. If you don't love your neighbor, God here is saying you really do not love him. If the worship team will come back to the front, we're going to close. Listen, folks. 
Why? Why should I love my neighbor? (laughs) Because it's a measuring stick of your love for your father. It's understanding. It's seeing if you really understand the world that we live in. It's really getting to that place where we understand what this is, what is hanging in the balance. Souls are hanging in the balance. Can I just, can I just be... I'll do it anyway, so I'm not even going to ask. We, I'm just going to say as Christendom, as a whole... There is nothing that I believe that is more clear in Scripture than these two things. And there is nothing that is more absent in our daily lives than these two things. Well, but, but, I, but, I, but I love God. I, yeah, I know, I know, I know. But that said, if you don't love your neighbor, you don't love God. Now look, you can get mad at me all you want. And I'll, trust me, I would be thrilled if you got mad at me for preaching God's word. Okay? But here's the, this is just the truth, guys. And you know what we've done? So we don't have to do anything. So we can skirt our responsibility. So we can justify ourselves. We've decided that neighbor is just this pie in the sky by and by. Neighbor is the little child that you've adopted from Guatemala. Is that bad? Absolutely not. But if you can't love those that are right across from you, how can you really say you're a follower of Jesus? How can you really do that? And look, I hope right now, and I mean this with all the love I can muster, I hope you are very uncomfortable right now. Because I'll be honest, as I was putting this together over the last few weeks, I was very uncomfortable. Because I went, I don't know my neighbors either. And I can, well, you know, we're not going to be there. We're renting, blah, blah, blah. You know what? I didn't know my neighbors that well in Albuquerque either. I mean, we, we knew the people that lived across the street and, and the, the lady that lived over there, you know. And we knew for a time our neighbor here, but that was it. I mean, that was all we knew. Next week, I want to give you some tools to help you in this. I want to give you some tangible things that you could actually do to apply this so that you could, number one, begin to fill in your sheet and, number two, actually begin to love them. Remember, loving them is putting their needs before your own and speaking truth. It's not more complicated than that. And we'll get more into that next week. So don't come next week. Don't, don't, don't leave this place and not come here next week because you're going to be left hanging a little bit. I don't, I'm not going to say do this and not give you tools, but we don't have time today to get into those. Do me a favor. Let's close our eyes. And I know I've gone a little bit over and I'm going to go a little bit over, but I'm, I'm going to trust that you'll give me some grace here. Because John and the worship team is going to come and lead us in a course in just a moment. But I want to ask you a quick question. What if? What if when Jesus said neighbor, He actually meant the people you live close to. I don't know what your sheet looks like. I'm not here to judge your sheet. Because trust me, my sheet would look probably more pitiful than yours. But sometimes we need to have things brought into the light so we can make some changes. 
but you cannot tell me that we love God the way we should if we can't love those that God places in our path. How can we love a God that we can't see when we can't love the neighbors that God placed in our path that we can see? How? How can we do that? According to Scripture, we can't. And I believe this with all my heart. Because as I was preparing for this and praying about this series, I truly believe there's going to be people that you are close to on your block. Not maybe this week, maybe not next week, but through your efforts, they are going to come to know Jesus. They are going to go from death to life because you were willing to not make them metaphorical, not symbolic, but make them real. A real person right in front of you that has real issues and real struggles and that needs a real God. Listen, I understand the culture is turning on us. The culture is very anti-Christian. Folks, it's only going to get worse. That's not an excuse. To do nothing is not the answer. And yes, I agree, people are more hostile to our message than they have ever been. But I believe this with all that is within me. They're also more open to a conversation about real truth than they ever have been before as well. And we're not going to let fear keep us from doing that. We're going to love them enough to be willing to place our heart out there. And if we get rejected, we remember it's not them rejecting us, it's them rejecting Jesus. So we're going to pray. We're going to commit ourselves over the next three more weeks as we look at these things. The question that I'm posing through the title is this. Won't you be a neighbor? Won't you be a neighbor? And that's the question you have to decide individually on your own. It's not your wife's job. It's not your husband's job. It's your job. You can work together, but you both have to make that call. So we're going to pray and we're going to commit. And then John's going to come and lead us in a closing chorus. Father, we love you. And Jesus, I pray that you would just forgive me and forgive us. Father, that you would forgive us for taking your word at times and making it fit into what I want and what I desire. Father, I pray that you would forgive me for interpreting your word in a way that makes me comfortable. Because, Father, that's sometimes what we do. You have placed people. We will look later on, possibly next week in Acts, where it literally says that you have placed us where you have placed us. This is not an accident. Father, that house is not ours, it's yours. Everything that we have, every gift comes from you, and you placed us there for a reason and a purpose. And Father, maybe it's time that we start loving our neighbor. Maybe it's time that we start taking this understanding to a new place. That that it's not a narrowing of this understanding. That Jesus is broadening it. He's basically saying, you start here. You start with the people that are the sons of your people. 
You start with the people around you. You start with your own neighbors. Yes, then you move into the highways and the byways. Yes, then you find the dead person on the side of the road. Yes, all that is important, but you start here. Father, we need a target. And what we're desiring right now is a target. We want to see if we can hit it. And that's what we're desiring. So, Father, I pray in my life, in our life, that, Father, we begin to fill out these sheets. That we begin to come to a place where we are going to love them. More than just hi, neighbor. More than just hello. But actually beginning to build relationship. Actually beginning to pour ourselves in them. Hey, you, hey I, 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 are you going to be out of town this weekend? Can I come over and water your plants? Hey, I, I noticed that some of the leaves have fallen. Can I, can I rake them for you? Hey, we're, we're, we're having some friends over tonight. We're having dinner. You want to come? I mean, all these unbelievable things, Father, that's so hard. You ask us to do, but they're not hard at all. They're just loving people and loving specific people. And Jesus, I truly believe that if we will love our neighbors, our communities will be changed for you. Our city will be changed for you one street at a time. And so, Father, we commit, I commit to loving my neighbor. I commit to saying this matters. And I'm going to do all I can to do that. Help us, Father. We love you and we thank you.